You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We are about to break the surly bonds of gravity and punch the face of God. I wish I was a little bit Left taller. Jab Productions present Edge of Sports bit. Radio, I I where sports and back. politics collide. And now your host, Dave Zarn. The Schmada Kid. Boom! Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. I'm Dave Zarn, joined as always by a man who was just signed by the Philadelphia 76ers. Congratulations. I think they got a steal in getting you for Michael Carter-Williams. Dan Baker, DB, congratulations <laughs> on making the big time, or at least the Sixers. It's not about what team I'm going to, Dave. I was worth three first-round draft picks. Very good, because it's all about – that's what I heard, is that if you collect the most first-round draft picks, you win an NBA oh, title. Adam Silver, aside from getting gambling into it, as he just said, the more picks, more wins, more titles. Yes, and that, that's an absolutely unprovable theorem. But we're going to talk about that later in the show, because we got a hell of a show this week. We're joined by the coach, Kevin McNutt. How you doing, coach? Dave, I'm a little intimidated today, because you know you are a big underdog to making, making sense. So yes. if you make sense and you win... You're following out here might uh, storm the studio here. So, uh, you know what I mean? We have a court storming here in the studio. I'm a little concerned. Oh, man, yeah. On the cutting edge of the court storming question. <laughs> Such an important question in the world. That's how of you know. Of course the old curmudgeon would bring up court storming. But also, <laughs> this is how you know that this is a dead patch on the sports calendar. What? Because it's like court storming, pro <laughs> or con. Yeah, I know. You know. As if we're talking about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Police. <laughs> well, guess what? Even in this fallow moment... Fallow. In the world of sports, wow. we are going to have a hell of a show. Mm-hmm. We are joined by Seku Smith, NBA.com, Hangtime Blog. Uh, he's going to tell me if I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be joined by Ken Reed, the executive director of an amazing organization, an important organization called The League of Fans. And he has a new book out, which I'm very, very excited uh, to speak with him about. Uh, yo, but before we talk about any of that, you and me are mm-hmm. going to come back after this break, and we're going to talk about two issues that are near and dear to my heart, 
because they really sit at that intersection of sports and politics. And that's Derrick Rose's injury and what we think about that Mm -hmm. and why we care about that. Mm. Why it matters or doesn't matter, which is a very important question. I'm talking bigger than just in basketball terms. And I also want to talk about Des Bryant. The idea that there is a videotape that no one has seen but everyone is convinced could spell the end of his Pro Bowl NFL career, or at the very least, his time with the Dallas Cowboys. But hey, you can follow us at Edge of Sports. We got to go to break. We'll be back I after your, this. Hey, yo, by the way. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio, joined by the coach, Kevin McNutt. How you doing, coach? Mommy. And when I said, hey, yo, before, I was talking to the listening audience, not oh, to you. Oh, I know okay. your name's not hey, yo. Yeah, My God, you're so old school, you might he uh, forgot, though. I gotta, I gotta watch. take out a cat o nine tails to give me a smack <laughs> if I say that. You take shots at me. I'm always on guard with you. Always on guard uh, with, with like, like Wonder Woman, <laughs> deflecting bullets. No, I'm more so like I treat you like a coach when I'm refereeing. I got to watch what you're going to say. You know? All right. Well, that that's frightening and absolutely terrifying, the thought of you ever coaching me because you couldn't contain me. Uh, speaking right, of Rondo. coaches, basketball, and all that good stuff, I wanted to start by talking about Derrick Rose because for people who are in any way, shape, or form following the NBA, you know that Derrick Rose was just diagnosed with a torn meniscus in his knee. It is his third uh, knee injury that will require surgery since 2012. This season was the first time that Derrick Rose has played a significant amount of games since the first term of Barack Obama's presidency. Wow. Think about that for a second. Mm. And Derrick Rose is somebody who is the youngest MVP in NBA history uh, from Chicago, starting for the Bulls. I mean, somebody who looked like he was on a toboggan ride to to icon status, Mm -hmm. not just in Chicago, but nationally. You know, maybe even someone who would have a a statue next to Michael Jordan when it was (laughs) all said and done. I'm serious. Mm. When you're the youngest MVP in history, Mm. that becomes part of the conversation. He gets injured. He's still only 26 years old. Uh, the Bulls' title chances immediately in Vegas went from eight to one to twenty to one, mm-hmm. and already there are a million questions out there about whether the Bulls should start preparing for life after Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. But there's another part of this too, which is, as you know, Coach, like I'm on Twitter and social media with a lot of folks who are not necessarily sports people, but are social justice people, people who care about real life and death issues, war, police brutality. Uh, the rights of oppressed people in this country and in this world. People who like really care about this stuff in their heart of hearts, they work on these issues day and night. A lot of these folks were beyond devastated when they heard about Derrick Rose's injury. And that was very interesting to me. I mean, like they were distraught mm. when they heard that Derrick Rose once again was down with a torn ligament in his knee. And you take a step back from it for a second. Derrick Rose... He's 26 years old. He's already made tens of millions of dollars. I mean, more if you want to count shoe money, probably. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this isn't a case of somebody who was, you know, Hank Gathers, who died on the court. I mean, this is somebody who might be out for six weeks. That's the optimistic uh, time frame. Or he may be out for a year. And when he comes back, it might be with the Bulls. It might not. You know, mm-hmm. it's not life or death here. And it's somebody who is in a state of profound privilege in our society. A multimillionaire in his mid-20s, an icon in his hometown. Yet people were devastated 
And I've actually spent some time thinking, like, is there something wrong with us that we're this upset Who's about us? a knee injury? Us. I guess I mean people who care about issues beyond sports, like the people who are just devastated about this. Like, it says something like if people who basketball is their secondary or tertiary concern in tertiary. life, if these folks are upset, what are people doing in Chicago? And then I peep that out and we're talking like tears running in the streets of Chicago mm -hmm. a place that has terrible problems of course with uh, with, with crime and, and police brutality like so many urban ills in Chicago and yet this is an issue that's breaking people apart is Derek Rose's injury and I have some theories as to why but I wanted to throw it to you first if you had any thoughts about that like why do you think this hits people in such a sensitive way uh Hope is youth, for one. Uh, and uh, then the other is you have LeBron, who's had a parallel, uh, you know, young, young star prodigy go up. But he has ne never been hurt. I mean, right. he, you know, he took what he took two weeks off early in the season. But he basically he's never been hurt and had, had sidelined by injury. Here's Rose having the third, fifth, seventh, whatever uh, knee, op knee operation. And you see this. You say, wow, so much, so hope. He was our hope. He's youth. He's going to, like you said, he's going to lead us to six, seven. He's going to eclipse Michael Jordan in terms of championships. He had everything going for him. And now it's just a big question mark. And it, and, and it throws your psyche because sports is hope. All the people that, that are out there doing a, a fighting for the social causes, love them, keep, keep marching. But you also need to take a break. You need to recharge the battery, and yeah. you do it through sports. And, and, you, and, you, and you do it, and you hope sports is clean and pristine. And then when you see a prodigy, youth, and we, you know, we have so much hope for, for youth, and he has everything going for him. And now you got a big question mark. It kind of makes you – it looks at your, vulnerabil your vulnerabil vulnerability, yeah. and it just makes you think of things, uh, take a different perspective. Well, I, I, I second everything you're saying. Like, I think I really do think people are crying for the plays that they will not see, the moments that they will not mm -hmm. have, not the moments Derrick Rose will not have. Like, I really think people might feel sympathetic towards Derrick Rose, but they're also crying for themselves. Mm -hmm. They're crying for the moments that they won't be able to have because anybody who saw who's seen Derrick Rose at full strength in the playoffs in the first couple years of his career. Remember the first time he got them there? I believe it was his rookie year, first round against the Celtics. Celtics uh, were, were uh, the defending champions, and I believe they took the Celtics to seven games. Mm -hmm. Or that might have been the, for the year that the Celtics went to the finals. I can't quite remember, but it was, it was the Celtics super team. But the bigger issue is that Rose was just like this unstoppable dervish, kind of like Michael Jordan was when he went against Larry Bird's Celtics, and the Celtics still won, but Bird was like, yeah, God and Michael Jordan switched right. places tonight. 63, one of the games. 60, 49, right. and then 63 right. in back-to-back -back yep. games. Yep. And in this case, like I think people really are weeping for what they will not see. And I also think that there's this strain in the history of sports where our mind immediately goes to places that are, are just sad moments. Like I remember in my youth when when I realized that uh, when Bernard King went down mm -hmm. with his knee injury for the mm -hmm. Knicks or when uh, Dwight Gooden first checked himself into rehab. Gail Sears for me. Gail Sears for you. Mm -hmm. Mark Fidrich for um, mm -hmm. a, a cousin of mine, mm -hmm. the great Detroit pitcher. I mean, th these are all moments where you're just like, wow, mm -hmm. memories lost. Mm -hmm. And I think that that hurts people mm -hmm. in a way that, like you said it. I mean, it, and you know, I think though we do have to say that it's not necessarily rational. It's not rational because it's basketball. People get hurt. It happens. He's rich. He's young. <laughs> but he's a prodigy. Everything was there. Uh, 
highway is clean. Just drive your car, Derek Rose, and just be what we want you to be. Be Superman, the next Superman. And he's hurt. And man, yeah. <laughs> your wheels, your knees. You know, you know this cat tenuous. doesn't. This cat doesn't talk a great deal. So when he right. asks to talk, I like to give him the microphone a little bit because mm-hmm. I think it'll, it's sort of like Silent Bob. In, in the Clerks movies, you know, it's just like, it's like, oh, snap, something profound's about to happen. So, Dan, if that's not enough pressure, what do you think about this? Well, I just want to echo what Coach is saying in terms of, like, sports is, as we all know, it's an escape for people. And no matter what your job is, as you were saying, referencing all the people who do real good social work and things that, quote, unquote, mean something. But we know that after all these years, well, sports is still around. Sports means something to our culture, to our communities, big and small. And with the injury, it's not just plays that you won't see or weeping. It's just sports is supposed to be fair. Yeah. It's in a finite set it of boundaries. It feels unfair. There's rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this injury, it's just not fair. He He's doing everything right, and he just still gets hurt. It's not fair. And because of that, it you can't rationalize it because it doesn't make sense. Why is he getting hurt? You know what? That, that was Silent Bob-esque. Because I think you make a really good point about the the unfairness part. I think that's one of the things that's also really sticking in people's craw is that there were doubts about whether he would make it all the way back. And he's still playing himself back into Derrick Rose shape, if you will. Mm -hmm. But there have been moments, and it hasn't been an easy season for him by any stretch. 18 Mm -hmm. points, 5 assists. But there have also, though, been these moments Mm -hmm. where you think to yourself, hey, that's D. Rose. Mm -hmm. That's not Derrick Rose point guard. That's D. Rose. And the hope is that he'll be able to build on that and make it all the way back. And the unfairness, I think, really does bother people because you want it to be decided between the lines. You want it to be decided on the court. You want Derrick Rose at his best going up against LeBron James. Mm-hmm. And now that's done. And it may be done forever. Right. And I think that that's the thing that really hurts people. And maybe in a city like Chicago, where you do have these series of social crises, maybe it hurts more. Because it's mm-hmm. Chicago, mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to wait, why don't they have it in perspective? Maybe it hurts more because it's Chicago, city of broad shoulders, city with a big heart. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? I just think we gotta send our well wishes to D Rose and yes. also to everybody out there who's Bulls fans. Keep that chin up because this ain't going anywhere. It's not. I mm-hmm. think he makes it back. Uh, this so. is Edge of Sports. We'll be back after this. One, one, two, two. Don't one, two, move. Three. Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports Radio. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio, joined by the coach, Kevin Nutt. How you doing, coach? Hey, let's keep marching. We're rolling. Let's keep doing it. Our next guest is the sports policy director for League of Fans, and he's author of the new book, How We Can Save Sports, A Game Plan. So happy to have him back on the show. His name is Ken Reed. Ken, how you doing, sir? Good. How are you doing, Dave? Great. It's great to have you on. I want to ask you about the book. It's really, I mean, I've read it. I really liked it. I want to give you the chance to speak about it. But before I do, just briefly, give our listeners out there who are not familiar with you or your history, give them a sense of your background, please. All right. Well, uh, sports have been a huge part of my life since, oh, probably seven or so. My dad was a coach. Um, I played two sports in college, baseball and basketball, and wanted to pursue a career in sports obviously i wasn't good enough as an athlete but i got a ended up getting a doctorate in sports administration with a emphasis in sports policy and for years i was a sports marketing consultant uh, i've been a coach a referee a talk show host like yourself 
So I've, I've seen sports from a lot of perspectives, which surprises a lot of people when they read my stuff on the League of Fans uh, blog or my Huffington Post columns or this book. They think I'm a, a sports hater who's a pencil-neck ivory tower geek who wouldn't know the difference between a baseball or basketball, and, and that's not the case at all. I truly love sports, and the reason I'm in this job is just to try to make them better for more stakeholders out there in yes. the world of sports. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's it's trying to reclaim sports. I mean, so yes, exactly. So, so let's talk about this book. I mean, so what what does sports need to be saved from, and then how do we save it? What sports need to be saved from is ego and greed. It's, mm-hmm. it, it was shocking to me when I wrote this book, and and the book covers nine issues that we at the League of Fans think are the nine biggest issues, or most important at least, in sports today. And if you look at them all, when it gets down to the root cause of all of them, you can see ego and greed all over it. And what I call whack, win at all cost, or pack, profit at all cost. It's it's either one or two of those things or both that cause a lot of the problems we see in sports and kind of zap the soul from our sports, if you will. Wow. And so what are some of the very, very specific directives that you think, like, flesh it out a little bit for us. Like, like, how do you actually, I mean, that sounds almost insurmountable, like saying you're going to fight ego and greed. It's almost like saying you're going to fight human nature. Well, obviously, uh, it's a tough challenge, but just to pick one issue, for example, uh, youth sports, I, I think the problem with youth sports is just that there's too much adult in youth sports. And, and so we're dealing with adult egos here and and it quickly becomes about their identity their egos when you're coaching these teams or you're an administrator in a little league or whatever so there's organizations out there uh we write a lot about it but uh one of my favorites is positive coaching alliance headed up by a guy named jim thompson and Mm -hmm. and he's doing incredible work on getting the focus in little league sports back on the development of the whole child and and not just winning, and and he's not anti-winning. He's a former athlete himself, and and he pushes a double goal coach, which is someone who strives to win. Striving to win is not the problem because that's in essence a lot of what sports about. It's when the striving to win becomes win at all costs. And so a double goal is strive to win, but never forget that the reason you're there is to develop kids and build character and teach skills that can help them through the rest of their lives. I mean, ideally, youth sports, high school sports, is still an educational activity. Mm, I got to throw it to Coach here because uh, Kevin McNutt, this is exactly his passion. I got a question for you, Ken. What age do you think youth sports should be on a national level, like Pop Warner and AAU national tournaments? Well, definitely after 12, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what's happened in youth sports that's caused some more of this whack or win at all costs and profit at all costs is the advent of club sports that have just kind of yes. taken over from the local, the neighborhood little league teams or the recreation department leagues. Now club sports, or some people call them travel teams or mm-hmm. AAU teams, it's gathered kids from around the metro area instead of the neighborhood. The cost, uh, you know, I just pulled my kid out of youth soccer last year due to the concussion issue one, but also the cost of their travel team was going to be $8,000 for one year. One, I mean, one season. One season. Uh-huh. They're, they're, yep. they're flying, flying not just to tournaments, but to league games. They'll go around the country playing 
on a weekend. It's really what I call the professionalization and commercialization of youth sports. Mm-hmm. Our, our ethos from the pro level have dropped all the way down to the youth level. And we got these little robots that are 10, 11 years old that are being forced to specialize in one sport, and they're suffering burnout. They're dropping out at age 13 mm-hmm. at rapid rate. They're getting uh, overuse injuries because they just play one sport. They don't give their muscles and bones a chance to adapt to other sports. Mm. It's really pretty sad. It is. We're talking to Ken Reed uh, from League of Fans. Ken, tell everybody the title of your book and how they can get it. I want to make sure we we pound this home for folks because I think it's so important. Okay, the book is How We Can Save Sports, a game plan. It just came out uh, a couple weeks ago. It's available on Amazon as a hard copy or ebook. Uh, it's also available at various Barnes and Nobles. Some of them have ordered it already, some haven't, but you can get it there. You can the publisher is Roman and Littlefield, so you can go to Roman com and order it there as well. Well, let, let me ask you this as well, because I think you're going to get universal agreement out there about youth sports. I mean, it's hard to find a parent who, or a coach even, who isn't frustrated with a lot of the professionalization of youth sports. What are some of the thornier issues that you take on in this book? With youth sports? Or oh, in general. Issues? No, in general. Uh, as we try well, to reclaim sports in the game plan. Yeah, well... All of them are critical, I think. But the one that really hits home, and I, I truly think it's the number one sports issue today and probably will be for the next five, ten years, and that's concussions and, and brain trauma in general. And, I, and, I, and I'm not talking so much about the NFL. We've all heard about NFL and the concussions or even the college level. But the big, big, big issue today is concussions and brain trauma at the high school and youth levels. I mean, only 42% of high schools even have an athletic trainer, and that trainer can't be at every sporting event or practice, obviously. So you're having kids out there with no medical personnel on the sideline at all who are getting put back into the games after concussions way too soon. There was a recent study at a nationwide children's hospital in Columbus, Ohio, that showed 40% of high school athletes who have suffered a concussion return to play too early. And why that's dangerous is because of something called second impact syndrome. If you get a second concussion shortly after a first, your brain can swell up. You you can end up with major neurological damage and even death. Well, so, Ken, do you think that uh, concussion-prone sports uh, should be banned at the youth level? Well, I think, uh, and Dr. Robert Cantu, who's one of the leading concussion experts in the country out of Boston, has said that no one should be playing tackle football before 14 for sure. Same with headers in soccer. Um, youth girls soccer is second to uh, football for most concussions, and and some of these uh, headers are the balls coming at them like 50 miles an hour. So and the problem with kids is their brains are still developing from eight to 18. There's a lot of development going on, and so the risk of concussions, the impact are much greater than adults, and so that's why we have to be extra careful I mean, with brains at that age. But So, so yeah, I mean, I, I know about Cantu, and I think you're a lot of agreement there, but, you know, in society we ban things all the time for, for youth um, on just the theory that they're young. I mean, like smoking, for example. We know it's dangerous. We know it's deadly. We allow adults to make that decision for themselves. We ban it uh, for kids. Uh, yeah. is, is that... 
where do you think that I'm not asking you if you're for this or against this, but do you think that's where this is headed with with all of these high school sports that the more well, we learn, the more likely it will be that kids could be looking at a a future of I don't know, like a freeze tag and and cross country. No, no, and I definitely don't want to go there. I think most of these sports can be modified. I mean, we've already seen with youth hockey that they they banned fighting. Thank God, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, and, that uh, only that only took a hundred years. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But and there and there uh, a lot of leagues under twelve or fourteen. There's no more checking, and so you can still play hockey without having to check you know, before 14 and that type of thing. So, and with soccer, if you don't start heading until after 14 or when you get to high school, it's not going to ruin the game. Kids mm-hmm. can still get all the benefits out of soccer. The, the challenging one is football because head contact is kind of inherent in the game. And so I think that as a country, we're facing some really tough decisions here about football, especially high school football where public tax dollars are sponsoring an activity that's clearly, we're not, it's not just there anymore. There's tons of research showing that football is dangerous to the human brain, and I, I, I have a lot of questions on whether we should be using taxpayer dollars to fund an activity like that. Like you said, we ban smoking in high school, but we still allow football. Now, before any, everyone gets too crazy, I'm not for banning all football. I mean, there, I think there will still be private clubs for the fathers out there who think it's imperative that their kid plays football. But the question is, should we be doing it in public high schools? Mm. Uh, one more time, say the name of the book for everybody out there. I think it's great when the author says their own name. How We Can Save Sports, A Game Plan. The book and is the- How We Can Save Sports, A Game Plan. I have read this book. I wholeheartedly endorse this book. People should buy this book. They should hold discussion groups about this book. And they should start working on a community level to make sports something that actually works for kids instead of against them and works for communities instead of against them. Ken Reed, thank you so much for joining us on Edge of Sports Radio. Appreciate your time, Dave, and you keep up the good work. Uh, That was terrific. Ken Reed, uh, he's with the the, uh, League of Fans. And I got to tell you, Coach, I'll get you a copy of this book. Mm -hmm. I will buy you a copy of this book. Mm -hmm. It's too good. Uh, Mm -hmm. We got to go to break right now. Mm -hmm. We'll be back after this. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. You're listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. Joined by the coach, Kevin McDonough. How you doing, coach? My man. If you are hearing Axel F. by the legendary Harold Faltermeyer, it means one thing and one thing only. It means we got Sekou Smith from the Hangtime blog, NBA.com, on the show. Sekou, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. I, I play Akwell Foley anytime you want me to. Ahmed Foley, Akwell Foley. <laughs> Love that scene. Bronson Pinchot introducing himself to America. All over Classic. it. Classic. All over it. I respect your hoops knowledge. I have so many questions. I'm jumping right in with Am I Crazy? I mean, and maybe you'll think I am, maybe I'm not, but this has been the most interesting Byzantine NBA season of my lifetime. So the questions are coming fast and furious at you here. First and foremost, yeah, I know. That's like not even a debatable point. I mean, this season's been been bonkers. All right, I'm listening to a show I don't want to name. Okay, it was Mike and Mike in the morning. Oh, boy. And... They said that it would 
not be a shock, given how good they've been this year, for the Atlanta Hawks to make the NBA Finals out of the East. It would not be a shock for them to make the Finals, given their record, etc. I think the Atlanta Hawks making the NBA Finals would be the biggest shock, even given their record, in maybe NBA Finals history, given where they were in the offseason and given the expectations <laughs> people had. Am I crazy, or are they being too blasé about the Hawks? No, I, I think you're dead on. Um, it would be bonkers for them yes. to make NBA uh, You know, and you can't gauge it by what they've done over a half season. I, mean, I can't tell you how many times somebody looked great halfway through a season and bottomed out later. Um, the Indiana Pacers last year. So yeah. I'm <laughs> for, for the Hawks to do this and sustain it is more remarkable than anything that's gone on around the league this season. And that includes Golden State, who uh, everybody assumed they would be a quality team, maybe not as good as they are, but certainly one of the better teams. And some of us predicted Golden State would do this last season, and, and it didn't happen. But they're right where I think they should be the Hawks. Nobody thought it's coming. Right. No one. Right, and and because of that, and because their coach is someone who could walk in this room right now with a sign around his neck, and I bet we wouldn't recognize him, as opposed to Larry Brown, the the Hall of Famer who coached the Pistons, this would be the biggest post-Magic Johnson surprise NBA Finals contestant in NBA history. Wouldn't it have to be? This would be even more stunning than those Nets teams that made the Finals. Yes. Um, You know, in those guys, because Kidd was a superstar at that time in his career. He was an absolute superstar, and he had two All Stars, you know, in both in Richard Jefferson, All Star caliber, and Kenyon Martin, guys playing alongside him. These guys, Al Horford's the only household name that this Hawks team had going into the season. He's coming off uh, a torn pec muscle that cost him basically the entire season last year. So, mm-hmm. I think not only do you, do you credit Mike Budenholzer for what's going on, but man, these Jeff Teague, Paul Millsap, Kyle Korver. Demari Carroll, all these guys. I keep hearing people talking about this team that Danny Ferry put together and, oh, Danny Ferry should be executive of the year. Hell with that. You got players that should be players of the year. Yeah. These guys have earned it up from both ends from the start of training camp to now. They deserve the credit. Give credit to the people who are present, not to the people who aren't. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, yeah, so I'm glad. So, so far you don't think I'm crazy. Okay. Am I crazy? But I really think the 76ers and Sam Hinkie are really just have a long-term plan to draft LeBron James Jr. Am I crazy? <laughs> we all need a straight jacket to figure out what they're doing in Philly. So, um, <laughs> okay. I think you're crazy, but Sam Hinkie is ten times crazier than you are, so he kind of crosses you out. They, I don't know what they're doing, um, and I, the, the real mystery is how in the hell they've gotten fans in Philly to not burn the place down. It's yes. amazing to me. I mean, Sam run for governor of Pennsylvania, basically, right now. Cause he's got the magic potion in his pocket. Philly yeah. fans, and I live in North Philly, they beat you up for even discussing their teams, and they're letting this go on. It's, it's amazing to me. I have to ask you this, just this follow-up on that. Do you discern a plan that you can explain to our audience about what the 76ers are doing? Like, is there a method to this madness that you can discern? No, I'm not smart enough. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, they, didn't, they don't invite me to the Sloan Analytics Conference every year, so I'm, I'm not one of these guys who can explain the mismatch that's going on right there. Um, but I'll tell you this. 
you don't trade away valuable assets time after time for future question mark assets, which are draft picks, second-round draft picks, future draft picks, whatever you want. You don't keep moving Thaddeus Young and Michael Carter-Williams and Evan Turner and all these different flesh-and-blood assets for something that could end up being Joel Embiid sitting around kicking it for two years until he's healthy enough to play. You just... That's not the way it works in the NBA, and if, and if you think it does, you'll... Well, sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. Go, but if you think yeah, it that's does, why we played Axel F at the start, man. Exactly. If you think it does, <laughs> uh, you'll be in the you'll be on the unemployment line. I mean, I, I got in a big argument, um, you know, a couple weeks ago with Brent Berry, and he was telling me that, you know, Kevin Love is, is every... You know, 25 general managers in the league would tell you Kevin Love is the top you know, five player in the league, whatever. And I said, yeah, and there are 25 of them that could get fired for stupid stuff like that. You yeah, know? <laughs> uh, exactly. There, there's a reason general managers in, the, in professional sports and in the NBA in particular are perpetually on the hot seat because they make foolish decisions on the regular. Right, because it's an inexact science. And I think that's Absolutely. the thing about it. And Sam Hinkie is, I think what they've done is sell the idea that they have some sort of scientific method for what they're doing. Which, I mean, to me, it goes back to any time. I mean, you look at things like the stock market crash in the 80s, the junk bond craze. You always have these things where people think, oh, someone has figured the system out and everybody buys in. And these stories never end well. That's just me talking. Okay, am I crazy? All right, please let me know here. Um, I think Larry Sanders, if he wants to, will get another chance because the league is more sensitive post-Royce White. That is Royce White's enduring legacy to the NBA around issues of mental health. Am I crazy, or is the league as bad as it was when Royce White was battling it out with Daryl Morey in Houston? No, I think the league, you're right, the league is much more sensitive. Um, So you're not crazy on this one. I I also think that I applaud Larry Sanders for – embracing it and being honest about his issues. Um, you know, because a lot of times a guy would fade into the background, you'd never know what was really wrong. You know, he would just be a guy that showed up with baggage or people would would whisper about what may or may not have been his issue. Uh, but this is serious stuff and something that, it goes beyond basketball. Just as humans in, in a society, we need to start embracing uh, more of the mental illness uh, factor that, that goes into it with a lot of people. I mean, you always wonder why some dude's crazy. And, you know, sometimes he's literally crazy and sometimes he's just full of it crazy. Uh, this this happens to be one of those instances where if he's dealt with depression and that sort of thing, something clinical, the league has to be sensitive to it the same way they would any other medical uh, issue that would come up for a player. No, that's that's very true. That's very true. And uh, you, you didn't cover this part, but I really do think that uh, that Royce White, as loud as he was about his issues, forced people to confront this. I really do. No matter what they thought about Royce White, they had to at least talk about what it would mean for their team if someone was on their team who were dealing with these kinds of issues. Well, you mentioned, I mean, that is the, we're certainly not talking about Royce White's basketball game. Yeah. So, and what skills he brought to the court, his his. His mark in the league was made, you know, uh, on an issue that is really not basketball related. Like I said, it's human being related. And I've, you know, I know I've known guys over the years and twenty plus years working in college and professional sports who have had issues that weren't diagnosed, and that, mm. you know, people assume there was something wrong with them or one thing was wrong with them. When had they maybe they've been diagnosed, and you would have figured out 
there was a lot more to it than what we thought. And and it could have saved some careers maybe, changed some lives even. And that's, to me, if that's a part of what comes of, you know, Royce White's situation and Larry Sanders, so be it. I think that's a good thing. Okay, am I crazy? If an alien came from outer space and the only thing they could see was February 26th, 2015, they would say the greatest player in the NBA is Russell Westbrook. Uh, you're a little crazy on that one because, I mean, that would, that would mean LeBron wasn't playing. You know, and when you look at just sheer specimen and what kind of impact a guy can have on a game physically in, in every other way, it's hard to ignore LeBron, even when he's not playing at his space jam level he was, you know, in Miami. It's just... But that's what Russell, Russell Westbrook's doing. He's giving a space jam every night. Yeah. Russell Westbrook's a force of nature. Now, you get no argument from me, but he's 6'3 and a half, you know, 200 pounds. And when you see him do it, it's not the same as seeing LeBron do it at 6'8", 260. You know, it's just not. I, I, wish it, I wish he could get the same kind of recognition. And, you know, I, my favorite thing about what Russell Westbrook is doing right now is that all those people a couple of years ago who were mad at him and saying that he shouldn't take as many shots as KD, and this is KD's mm-hmm. team, and Russell has to step back, and da-da-da. And I was saying, man, you let this guy play to his true nature. And if he's the alpha dog on that team, it's going to come out. And if KD's the alpha dog on that team, it'll, it'll work itself out. And I think it has. Um, when Russell Westbrook was injured, KD won an MVP. and shows you that he could be every bit the talent that we assumed he could. Well, Westbrook's showing you now. With KD struggling with the, you know, the foot and the the surgeries and the rehab and another procedure and screwing the foot, Russell Westbrook is showing you right now that he's every bit the human whirlwind that he could be. And to me, you don't get in the way of that. When you get two of those types of guys on the same team, you ride it. You you ride it till the till the wheels fall off. And and you don't try and make either guy convert his game for what you assume is the greater good because. There's no guarantee, you know, no guarantee that any of these guys make it to the finals. Ask Derrick Rose just about guarantee whether or not, you know, the yeah. plot you have is going to come to fruition. Yeah, we spoke about Derrick Rose last segment. Last question, and I, I fear I know your answer to this one, to this am I crazy, but uh, am I crazy? Uh, we might be overrating Anthony Davis because his statistics are so mighty when you look at how this Pelicans team is actually performing this season. Yeah, you've flown over the cuckoo's nest on that one. You know, um, <laughs> outstanding. I mean, literally outstanding. But shouldn't the team be a little bit better? Shouldn't the team be a, so, little, a little bit better? You think that yeah. roster is that bad? Yep. Drew Holiday? Davey's 20, what is he, 21, 22? 21, Come yeah. Come on, man, he's putting up numbers. He's putting up numbers that haven't been seen in twice his lifetime almost. Come on, he's, he's unbelievable. And... Are, are we well, saying that? Are we least, saying that three years from now, uh, if they're still a five hundred team, uh, he might not be there three years from now. That's mm-hmm. just it. Uh, I mean, in this day and age, either a, either a great supporting cast will find him in New Orleans, or he will find somewhere else to play. That's the way it works. You don't have seminal talent like that and let it go to waste anymore in the NBA. You find a way to get in a position to maximize your potential and what you can do. And he mm-hmm. has. Otherworldly Kevin Garnett, Tim, you know, to me, K, young KG potential. He has wow. future Hall of Fame talent, and that's, that cannot be ignored. It, it, at some point, somebody will 
you know, figure out how to put the right pieces around him, and he'll he'll excel as an individual and on the team that, that is and, a part of the upper crust. And Sam Hinkie would probably trade him for two second round draft picks. Hey, uh, <laughs> say, say, Smith. Thank you so much for joining us on Edge of Sports Radio. Always clarifying, never boring, always awesome. Thank you, sir. Thanks, man. Appreciate y'all. See you, brother, man. That was Sekou Smith, ladies and gents. Uh, you know what? I feel smarter for the experience. And you know what? <laughs> Last point before we go to break is I think that given what Larry Sanders is dealing with, I shouldn't say am I crazy. Maybe that like isn't very sensitive to what people that? are dealing with. So I apologize, and I'm just that just occurred to me. We'll be back after this. Dave Zirin will continue with Edge of Sports Radio after the break. Edge of Sports Radio returns. Here's Dave Zirin. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio to wrap up the show. Coach, I want to finish up this week by referring to something we were talking about in the previous segment because it's one of those things where it's almost like a light bulb has gone on in my head and I want to share my thoughts with people. Is You know I'm somebody who takes mental health issues very seriously. Yes, sir. I mean, we've had Royce White on the show numerous occasions. Uh, My mother, uh, this is what she's done for a living her entire life, is work on mental health issues. Uh, Take it very, very seriously. Take the issue of mental health very seriously. And I've been doing this segment with Sekou for for years. Am I crazy segment. And... It just occurred to me that there's a real disconnect there. Like that whole "Am I crazy?" thing. I don't think. I think we're going to retire that from the show. We're going to think of a different way to talk about it because the idea of being crazy kind of short shrifts how difficult it can be for people to come forward. Because who wants to be called crazy if they deal with depression, if they deal with manic depression, if they if they deal with uh, with, with with like fear of heights, if we deal with with all of the things that can come uh, with mental health issues. Uh, the fear of flying, Royce White talked to us about at great length. I mean, that kind of anxiety disorders that um, that, that people really do wrestle with. I mean, I don't, th- so you know, I, I want to own that to the audience out there and say that we're not going to be talking the crazy talk anymore because I want this to also be a safe space. Like Roy- we had Royce White on the show. I'll say it right now, I'd love to have Larry Sanders on the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love to have him on the show if he wants to talk about what he's going through. And I want people to feel like this is safe space to do that. In the black community, for the longest time, man, we wouldn't go to psychiatrists. It was just mm-hmm. something you handle it yourself, you know, because you didn't want to be out there and have any kind of connotations to being crazy. But people know you, Dave, and and, and that's a tongue-in-cheek. Uh, it's slang. It's like, you know, take the word out. It's like dealing with the N-word. It's, it's one step at a time. People know you better than that. They know your heart. They know what you're about. They know that you weren't trying to make any kind of connection there you're trying to entertain and and I don't think I don't think anybody's yeah. going to take that wrong you never but, know if someone listens to the show the first time I got you. so I'm just putting yeah. it out there for That's folks fair, but and you we know, know we know your heart buddy thank you sir and I know your heart too and it is as cold and gray <laughs> as I knew it was cold. what I tell you what I tell you DC hey we got to go this is Edge of Sports we are out of here peace Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place 
to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.